We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Bradfo Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfo Show. That's delicious. The most popular sport in Boston, the Red Sox offseason is here. It's here. It's here because we are proclaiming it to be here. The Bradfo Show, episode 94, is marking the date that is springboarding everything into hot stove season. I'm Rob Bradford. I apologize. I apologize to everybody out there that we have not been doing one of these things for about a month and a half. The reason is, is because everything was so chaotic. We were doing a ton of other stuff throughout the postseason, throughout the World Series, throughout all of that. And I wanted to really devote some time to the Bradford show. And by the way, let's just take two seconds. Boom sauce. Yes. Get your t-shirt now. Thank you, Lord Hobo Brewing Company. But I just wanted to devote some time to the actual podcast and have a good run of them heading on through November, December, January into the spring training. And I think that's what we're going to be able to do. Uh, today, the, the, as we said, we're springboarding right on into the postseason for the Red Sox, and I think a good, good guest to have on today was Tim Durkis of MLB Trade Rumors. MLB Trade Rumors, if you don't know what MLB Trade Rumors is and you listen to this podcast, I don't know what's going on. MLB Trade Rumors is basically the place everyone is refreshing, 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 along with WEI.com, of course throughout the, the hot stove season, really throughout the year, but particularly during this time of year, November and December, when people want to know what is going on in terms of trades, in terms of acquisitions and free agency and rumors and all of it, it's a great website. It's been going on for, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. But Tim Durkis is a guy who started it all, is a guy who runs it all, is very well respected throughout the industry. You talk to uh, agents, you talk to players, you talk to executives, all of them. They'll say, they'll always cite MLB trade rumors as sort of the landing spot when it comes to referencing anything going on in the offseason. So speaking of landing spots where everything's going on in the offseason, here it is right here, Brad Foe Show, episode 94. Craig Kimbrell has declined the qualifying offer. Red Sox have a bunch of free agents. They have a bunch of free agent decision heading into next year. There is a ton to talk about, but let's do this right now. Let's talk to Tim all about the Red Sox offseason, the Red Sox postseason, the Red Sox hot stove season. Brad Foe Show, episode 94, Boom Sauce, here we go. All right, we're honored to have Tim Durkis of MLB Trade Rumors with us. And Tim, you know, first of all, thanks for joining us. We've known each other for a little bit, uh, I guess remotely, but, uh, but you have uh, MLB Trade Rumors. It's unlike anything, I think, that in any of the four sports in terms of a website that was created 
and and really drives the helps drive the industry. And so that's how we first became acclimated, I guess, going back a few years. And um, but you know, Tim, one of the first things I wanted to ask you was, it, when did you realize that? I mean, when did you realize, and in case people don't know, MLB Trade Rumors, MLB, MLBTradeRumors.com. I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you, you certainly do know about it. But when did you realize that this had the impact that it actually does? Uh, thanks for having me, Rob. Well, um, you know, it, it was begun as a bit of a, I guess, semi-hobby in 2005. Um, you know, I had a fantasy baseball website. I was selling some projections and stuff, making a little bit of money. So I had an inkling that maybe I could get a career out of this somehow. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't expect it to become what it did. Um, in terms of the industry, you know, I think, like, maybe... Ten years ago, you might get an occasional email from an executive and stuff, and then sometimes, um, you know, we have kind of a famous story of where we posted something really stupid um, in our early years, and um, it spread like wildfire around the winter meetings, and it was getting quotes from Billy Bean about it and stuff. <laughs> and when I started to see that stuff, I was like, whoa, you know, this this is a reaching more people than I thought. I mean, I kind of knew the traffic, but I didn't really think that, um, you know, some of these uh, front office guys might be looking at it as they do. And then, you know, over the years, you start to see players mention it here and there. Um, You know, like Max Scherzer said he was a pretty big fan, and so that's been really cool for us. Was there a moment in the last few years where it's been, like you said, you mentioned Max Scherzer, but where somebody had said something or maybe someone else reaching out to you that was sort of a, wow, we've come a long way. Now, so what is it? How, how long have you been doing it for? Um, it's, uh, it's going on uh, 13 years. Oh, man, man. So, all right. So 13 years and 13 years. And imagine, the, like I said, it, it's been a, an evolution, but certainly it, I remember – emailing you back in the day and think, oh, you know, this guy mentioned you or that guy mentioned you, which I thought was such a cool thing. But now it's just, it's commonplace. I mean, it's commonplace not only to for for writers, for every single writer to reference you guys in terms of expectations or or news or anything else. But, you know, with Alex Cora, he probably does it like four or five times a year. And so I don't know if there was sort of that moment where you realize, wow, you know, this is, this is like in the certainly in the mainstream, not on the mainstream of the uh, the the media, but in the mainstream of the actual industry. Um, I, I don't know that we had a huge moment. I'd say Scherzer was up there. He, he called himself a, a fanatic of the website. This was probably three, four, five years ago. So it was in USA Today, and I went out and I bought the newspaper so I could have a copy because I just thought that was really cool. Um, I will say that like some of my childhood heroes that I've run into, um, uh, like Carrie Wood and Ryan Sandberg, I was kind of like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm Tim Durkis from MLB Trade Rooms. I was kind of hoping they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I read that. And they, they were not like that at all. They had no idea who I was or what it was. So, you know, there's plenty of humbling things that, that have happened, too, where, you know, there are, there are some, some people in the game who, who know about it and read it every day, and, and it's really, really cool, but there's plenty who don't, so, you know, we see both sides of that. You, you know, and we're, we're going to get to, uh, you know, I want to get to the nuts and the bolts in the offseason, particularly about the red size guys. Now, now before we get to that, do you, the projections, are those your projections? 
I forget to look um, at the author. You're talking about the free agent free agent projection, projection yeah. So that's a collaboration between uh, me, Steve Adams, and Jeff Todd, who are my two full-time writers for MLB Trade Rumors, and so that's about two to three weeks of uh, intense discussion. Uh, this year we had a Slack chat. Just, uh, yeah, I was thinking about publishing some of the transcripts because we really <laughs> debate these things till we just till, till we're red in the face, and there's just like there's nothing left to say about it. So I, I kind of have the final say on it, though. So you know, if I have a, a strong feeling or if I want to override them, um, I'll do that. And so it's tricky because first we debate the contracts for all these guys. And then we kind of got to pick a team for them, mostly, I guess, because we always have. Um, but it kind of drives people crazy. Uh, oh, the Dodgers are going to get that guy? No way. I can't believe you only picked this person for my team. White Sox have all this money. You didn't pick anybody. And so we try to create this puzzle where we think that all 50 things could happen. And it falls apart in like about a week. <laughs> One trade is made, this other thing happens. Like, well, these five things are, are off the board and this team's not interested in that guy. No, like, but man, you know, Tim, fun, honestly, you know, it's like, you know, you know, never know what's going to happen with the trades, but I think your numbers are, are pretty much, you go back and you look at your numbers, your projected numbers for these guys, and and they're pretty close. I mean, you, I know that in the last few years I've gone back and looked, and, and they're pretty close. They're not that far off. So, again, you can't predict the other stuff, but you can't predict which team they're going to go to either. I mean, that's that's almost impossible as yeah, well. Yeah, there's a lot more science in the contract than than in the team. Like, right. We do not know what the teams are thinking, and when we're picking the teams, it's not based on inside information. It's based on uh, looks at what the team has said publicly and what their needs appear to be to us and what their payroll limitations might be. Um, but then that changes really quickly. But, yeah, the numbers, the contract numbers where we really put a lot of thought into and, you know, comparable contracts and just feeling like who's got the buzz, who's going to get a bidding war. And even then, you know, you have like the Moustakas thing last winter and, you know, we and, you know, plenty of others were way off on that, Lance Lynn and stuff. So you think you know and then you don't. Well, okay, so we're looking at we'll jump right into this and then obviously for for the sake of this podcast the red Sox guys are the most interesting although we were just talking just before he came on and he said you know i can't remember anything like this having this off season and one thing that you know i was thinking about this today or actually the last over the last week it was supposed to be this historic free agent class and it still is i mean because as you said to me i mean bryce harper and manny machado you don't get guys hitting free agency at this age you just don't this this is what made one of the things that made this this class so historic. But so many guys in this quote unquote historic free agent class underperformed over the course of the last year. You know, I'll give you an example. This is a small example, but you know, Drew Pomerantz. Drew Pomerantz could have been in the conversation for making big money as a starting pitcher coming off the 17 win season, and now you're talking about a guy on one year deal. Um, and, and there seems to be a lot of these guys who, whether because of injury or just performance, sort of put a damper on this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, and that does always happen, and I think part of it is that once people realize Harper and Machado were lined up at the same time and probably going to hit the market, and I'm talking like three, four years ago, we started to figure out what some of those other names were, 
and it, inevitably a bunch of those guys drop off. Like the one I'm thinking of is Matt Harvey, where you know there was a time, probably three years ago. Actually, I was looking, and in 2015 was a banner year for tons of these free agents. It was Harvey and A.J. Pollock and Josh Donaldson, and Bryce Harper had his huge year, and it was kind of the year that all these guys went nuts. So around that point, we thought, wow, you know, what can Donaldson get? What can Brian Dozier get? What can all these guys get? And then you look at Harvey and Dozier, and, you know, they're not going to get a lot of money. Um, but that does always happen. But, yeah, I mean, if you look at Harper and Machado, I, I don't – I don't know if everybody fully appreciates their youth and how, how much that matters. Because you look at, you know, the Cano and the Pujols deal, and they're like, well, let's let's give Harper a $300 million type of contract because that's, that's so much money. But, I mean, those, those other guys when they hit free agency were in their 30s, and, and these two are 26. And it kind of it, it harkens back to the Alex Rodriguez thing from almost 20 years ago. And while... They're not at that level. I mean, they're in that ballpark. Well, you you so the projection you have right now, you have uh, Bryce Harper at 14 years for $420 million. You feel confident about that right now? Uh, I, I, as much as I can, yeah. I'd say nothing has changed to make me uh, want to reduce it. You, not even worried. Scott Boris saying is a generational. I mean, once you say you're a generational player by your agent, everything changes. You know, right? That adds another well, hundred I mean, million. He's the Donald Trump of baseball agents. He's just he's got a lot of things to say, and some of them make sense, and some of them. Has don't. he ever contacted you? What's that? Has uh, he? Yeah, yeah, he has. Not recently. Um, there was, let me think. So, the, so we ran, we ran a series called, and I realize this is kind of pandering, so we don't do it anymore, but it was called Why I Chose My Agent. And, um, so we talked to players about why they chose their agent. You know, it's kind of, we thought we could maybe get some ins with some agents, I guess. Mm. And we, we did one with Jay Bruce, and he was pretty candid about, and I think you could probably read it still, he was pretty candid about how, I don't know, Scott Boris courted him but blew him off or something, um, something where he never met Boris personally, and he, he ended up going with Matt Sosnick and stuff, and it was just, you know, Bruce's story about how he happened upon Sosnick, and um, so that generated a call from Scott, and he had some choice words and stuff, and, you know, so there, I think once in a while that's happened, um, you know, maybe where he gets mad about something, and, you know, not, not too often, though. Yeah, no, listen, it happens to everybody, but, so, you, you talk, <laughs> so, you, you, uh, you talked about years, and, um, I mean, I'm tar- sorry, age, and that's going to lead me to sort of the red side, that's going to be the, the transition we get into the red size, guys, so, so, the top, uh, starting pitchers from the market right now. You have Patrick Corbin, six years at 129 million going to the Yankees. You have Dallas Keuchel at four years, 82 million going to the Nationals. Um, I'm going to scroll down here to find. So you have Kimbrel. Now you have Kimbrel at four years, 70 million. And then you have Nathan Avaldi at four years, 60 million. We'll get to Kimbrel in a second. So my thing with Evaldi, I, I, it drives me nuts, these, these teams that give contracts to guys out of postseason performance. Uh, we saw the Red Sox do it with Pablo Sandoval. And, and it's not just a thing. It's not just a made-up thing. Teams actually do this, and it always baffled me why they do it. Um, 
Now, so that obviously helped Nathan Avaldi a lot. But with, and I understand Nathan Avaldi has had two Tommy John surgeries. But I also look at his age. I believe he's the youngest free agent starting pitcher on the market. Um, he's slightly younger than Patrick Corbin. Uh, and if you want to go off of history with Corbin and Keuchel, absolutely. Keuchel's thrown 5,000 more pitches than Navaldi, and I understand the different types of pitchers. But I am sort of like, I feel like a lot of people are sort of undervaluing what Navaldi's going to get. Uh, maybe I'm totally wrong, but I, I, I kind of feel that way. Yeah, we, tr- we try to be aggressive um, because out of the gate, he didn't feel to me like a four-year guy. He doesn't have the innings or durability to get there. Um, just kind of, you know, if you look at some of the comparable contracts, I don't think, I think if he gets a four-year deal, which is my current guess, that that would be fairly unprecedented. You know, we looked at like Brandon McCarthy and stuff who had a pretty spotty injury history before he got one. But he was coming off a 200-inning season, and that's not true of Vivaldi at all. And, you know, he's... I, I think, like, sometimes, though, we get, me and my team get a little caught up in the comparables and what's happened before and just forget that this is, free agency is just a bidding war. And you, you hear so many teams that seem like they would love to sign a Valdi in particular, and you know that even if the money kind of keeps going and going, it's still going to stop, I think, well short of Corbin. So, you know, even if it's not four years 60, but it's four years somehow 70, which I think would, for me, be a real ceiling on a guy with this history, um, that's still a lot less money than Corbin, I think, is going to cost. And if you think they're comparable pitchers, then, you know, there you go. Um, And I think Ivaldi is a guy that the industry probably has wanted to love for a long time, you know, because the stuff looks so good. He's never seemed to get those strikeouts that you would expect with it. So at least with the Red Sox, he started to. He looked great in the playoffs. He left a great last impression. And and I I think, too, like some of the teams that are maybe on the rebuild type of cycle but trying to pull out of it, they could look at a guy like him. So I just think interest is going to be widespread. Yeah, I I think that – I think actually I would be – put it this way. Everyone – a lot of people have the Yankees – going after Corbin. They have for a long time. Um, Keiko obviously is there as well. But I think, though, another thing that you can't discount, and we've said this in Boston, it goes back to the John Lester conversation, where you can't discount being able to pitch in the market and, and certainly on the stage. And Ivaldi proved that he can pitch on the market and on the biggest stage, and that's one thing we didn't know about him because of you know he, his time in New York was nothing. Tampa, who cares? But when he's but when he's throwing that six innings, he was every that out. It's amazing, Tim, because he didn't. The reality is he didn't make himself a crap load of money in that game. He did throughout the whole postseason. He just did. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm, you know. It, it's it's tough because like what's the cause what's the effect because you know you remember how Daniel Murphy went nuts mm. he did not get paid from that and so it doesn't always happen he got three years and thirty seven million dollars you know he could have got a lot more if if people were suddenly buying into it and the funny thing about him is he should have and it would have been good and it would have been smart because it was him showing that he'd changed as a hitter and so. Yeah, but I think free agency can be very irrational, mm-hmm. and so I think that that really does matter. And, and as much as the GMs are making the calls, 
you're talking $50 million or more, I, I certainly think the owners have some kind of presence in, in those discussions. And, you know, I, I don't want to characterize the owners as, like, dumb or reactionary. No, but, but they're dumb and reactionary you know, sometimes. I mean, that's the... They could. I mean, if anybody is, it's dumb. I mean, right. It's, it's, you know what it is? Dollars. I always say this is this goes to the coaching aspect of it, but I always said, you know, if you're a coach, a manager for any team, and you get fired, go on ESPN for three years. It's the Barry Melrose thing. Barry Melrose, or John Gruden right now. Like, the, the owners see these guys... The owners and the owners might see these players and say, "Oh, you know what? I like that what he's doing. I like what he's saying." And that's this. That you're right. They are reactionary and dumb a lot of times. Yeah, and I think I think Scott Boris is counting on that. I mean, I think that's that's how he thinks he's gonna get somebody to go nuts for Bryce Harper. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So uh, to to morph into the other main Red Sox guy is Craig Kimbrell. And I guess we can integrate sort of Joe Kelly in this conversation as well. The Red Sox are probably I can't see the Red Sox signing Craig Kimbrell. I just can't. They have so many contracts coming up. They have to find some money somewhere. Um, they have they feel like they have some people already in place that could have semblance of uh, comparables to to Kimbrel. Certainly not at the level that the as as his agent said the best closer of all time could do. But but Kimbrel is a guy who I think that when Wade Davis signed his deal, I'm like here we go. Craig Kimbrell is set uh, set up to to eclipse Eraldis Chapman. It doesn't look like he's going to do that now. I mean, as much as we talk about the postseason helping guys, what do you, I mean? Do you, is this a product of not killing his his market at all, but certainly not helping it? I would say the postseason tempered some enthusiasm, but um, I was always and, and this is one of the points that I think we disagreed uh, with with my guys, uh, Steve Adams and, and Jeff. Um, definitely Steve. Uh, before the postseason, he was pretty locked into Kimbrell being a five-year deal guy, which was at least going to push up into that Chapman-Kenley-Jansen range. But Kimbrell, since he signed that extension when he was with the Braves, you know, he's he's probably two years older than those guys were. And while, like I said, it's not always rational in free agency, you know, giving five years to him is different than giving five years to those other guys. And so that's kind of why we stopped at four more so than the postseason. Um, I think, I think he'll, I think he'll do well. And I, and I, I do think he moves on from the Red Sox barring something where I'm wrong and the market kind of fails him. And he's sitting there in February or March realizing he might need to go get a one year deal, which there's no real reason to think it, but you know, maybe the qualifying offer, Stranger things have happened. We saw it last winter. So if somehow things do not go his way, maybe the Red Sox will kind of keep the door open. Well, so they have to obviously. We think that they're going to have to replace him, and uh, and so you look at up and down in terms of this quote unquote historic free agent class that we've been eyeing so much, and part of the part of the cachet of it was really the closures, the amount of closures that you had. You going down you know a ton of them you know you Zach Brighton Andrew Miller and a lot of these guys who before this year were, were perceived as as guys like we're talking in the same conversations Kimbrel almost but now you look at it it's amazing Tim how many guys and I think you guys have projected this way a lot three-year deals a lot of these sort of three-year guys two three-year guys who could potentially be closers um, and I'll even put Kelly in there. Kelly's probably at the, the bottom end of 
team saying, hey, come and be our closer. But there's a lot of these guys that, you know, yeah, you know, they could be a closer, but there's also a risk that you're running with every single one of them, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing we saw last winter, um, you know, despite the freeze for some of these mid-tier players and mid-tier position players that we definitely saw, um, we also saw some pretty aggressive relief spending. Um, I don't know if that continues, if we just kind of take the Rockies out of it, who did two of the most aggressive contracts. But... Um, you know, you look at the way the game's changing, you look at the whole bullpenning thing, and you, you, you do think that that trend continues and, and they push more money into relievers. And the thing about, like, going and signing Joe Kelly, let's say you go and give him $30 million, which maybe nobody thought was possible five months ago or something, um, it's still... In, in a relative sense, it's not a lot of money. It's still $30 million compared to, you know, these monster contracts. You know, these starting pitchers, of course, the big-name position players are getting, you know, franchise-altering massive contracts. So if you screw up on Joe Kelly and he kind of isn't great or he gets hurt or something, it really doesn't cripple your franchise. So, you know, it is a bit of a dart throw, I think, with some of these guys. But I think the bidding, especially when when the stuff is really sexy and stuff, the bidding, you know, pushes it up to three years even when teams would rather not, of course. Who, who would you, if you were running a team and you were looking for one of these guys, he's sort of, you, you're in the position of the Red Sox. Kimbrell's moved on. You have Brazier and you have Barnes as sort of the guys internally that you can lean on. And I see you projected, you know, Robertson, Dave Robertson, Zach Britton, Familia, all three years, $33 million. You have Andrew Miller sitting there as well. Who would be the guy if, if Tim was running the team? Um, that you would say that is a guy is sort of going to be our, our fail safe, and I'll, I'll add another one in there, Kelvin Herrera. Kelvin Herrera, the guy, the one guy that the Red Sox. You know, I know that the news came out about the Houston making a run at Bryce Harper, right? And um, remember, I mean, they pulled they not only pulled Harper off the table, they pulled Herrera off the table for the Red Sox as well. So he's he's probably going to get a one year deal. But who would be the guy that you would you would sort of take a flyer on? Um, I you know Herrera was one of the guys I was gonna mention because I'm kind of a I'm kind of a bargain shopper, um, and I and I you know I think if I was running a team, I would maybe try to diversify and just bring in like three veteran guys who I really like um, who aren't at this thirty to forty million dollar type of price tag and and kind of like if you look at Herrera. I don't know if he signs a one-year deal because nobody really knows his timeline. But, you know, if he can come back in May and, and be, be what he's been, then he could be an amazing signing and it could work out great for both sides. Um, and so my guy for a while had been Andrew Miller, who we were projecting on like a two-year, $18 million deal because he had a lot of injuries this year. He's getting a little old. And it's like, well, for that type of money, you know, a lot of teams would love to grab him. And then after we were having that conversation, we're like, well, if we really think like six teams would pay 220 or something for Andrew Miller, it probably means somebody does that on the third year. And that's kind of why we took him out of that bargain class. I mean, so I, I, w- I will say this, the guy that I probably love the least, like the least of the uh, the, the non-Kimbrel well-paid relievers would be Britain. Um, and Steve kind of pushed me up to three years on Britain because he just has this name value. He was the best reliever on the planet in 2016. But for me, I look at a guy who for the last two years has really been not great at all. 
And so to give him the same money as, you know, like Robertson isn't as exciting maybe, but he's had the numbers, he's succeeded in the market. So, you know, Britain wouldn't really be my preference, but I could see Dombrowski going for him. I mean, it just kind of seems like the type. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. And I know I really appreciate you taking all this time. One last thing is we're, basically we talk about the historic class of this year and next year, is shaping up to be a pretty good one as well. And and we're reminded of that around here because you have you have four guys, four guys in this in the core of what made you a world championship who could potentially be free agents. JD Martinez who I mean, this was set up as a two-year deal. It was set up as a two-year deal unless they renegotiate uh, before it, it runs out and they figure it out. But it drops from 25 million down in the third year. Well, why would he do that if he has the same sort of year? Then you have Chris Sale coming up. You have Rick Porcello coming up. Xander Bogarts. Next year is going to be pretty interesting, if not more interesting than this year. Yeah, yeah. There's tons of good names. There's there's Nolan Arenado. There's Anthony Rendon. So, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff coming through. Um, and as always, like once this season actually happens, we're going to see some guys who are way less exciting and guys who have kind of risen up up the draft board. I mean, like you look at Patrick Corbin. I mean, the idea that he was a hundred million dollar guy a year ago would be laughable to me. Um, so he just increases stocks so much. Uh, but yeah, free agency a year from now is, is very interesting and important for the Red Sox. And I don't know, they don't seem like the types of players who are really going to do extensions. Or no, no, no. Well, would you would you sign would you sign sale to an extension even if you wanted to? Not unless it felt like a really good discount because he's just you know you, a lot like Kimbrel, you just feel like you've gotten the most out of him, and you're paying top dollar for for some downside, and teams have really stopped doing that or at least curbed that whole practice of like you know kind of with pool holes or something where. Cardinals got the best of him, and the Angels went out and paid top dollar for the second phase of him. And you, you, you know, people have been kind of projecting major injury for sale his entire career, but it doesn't seem like a very safe investment. All right, Tim. Well, I, again, I appreciate you taking the time. One last thing: so, which is better for your business this time of year or the trade deadline? Because I know those I are, say, those I are the. Would say this time of year. Really. Um, we kind of have the extended uh, I love how baseball has the drawn out free agent period and especially last year when the thing went into March oh yeah the gift um, they kept so on July, giving July like you might get mid-July up through the deadline and then it kind of tapers off here it's just we can, we can have excitement all the way into spring training which I love nice well I appreciate it and uh, are you going to be at the winter meetings yes I will I'll all see right, you there well, we will see you there then Tim Dirk is of the MLB Trade Rumors, MLBTradeRumors.com, the best, I can say safely, the best website to go to this time of year, um, with WEI.com being a close second. Uh, all, right, all right, Tim, thanks so much. All right, my pleasure, Rob. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.